First Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 7, these are God's words. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith from which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. So far the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. Well, one of the things that has gone wrong in Ephesus, you remember, uh, hopefully from last week, this is towards the end of Paul's ministry, uh, they have already strayed from the first love that they had. Uh, there are things, uh, at least three things, that this letter and the next letter to Timothy are addressing. Teaching uh, has uh, has gone off the rails. There are all sorts of men teaching false doctrine. He starts to deal with that here. There is immorality, disobeying God and living in sin, uh, not fighting against sin, uh, that... Uh, has taken hold and that some are even promoting, uh, and there's disorder in the church. And all of those things actually uh, are uh, addressed in some measure uh, in this kind of opening uh, instruction, uh, reminding him that what he's writing in these letters, and in this letter in particular, uh, is what he had urged him when he was leaving. Ephesus is, was in where Turkey is now, uh, and Macedonia is towards where Greece is now. So Paul was leaving uh, to go west. There was apparently something urgent enough in the churches for him to do that. Uh, and he leaves Timothy behind. And that's important because Timothy is not an apostle. And the apostles and the age of the apostles is coming to an end. And how is the church to uh, be guarded and protected and grow and serve the Lord uh, without apostles? Uh, well, uh, as most other churches uh, have known more than Ephesus, uh, they do it by uh, the use of faithful elders. Yes, Ephesus has elders and has had them, and they come and they meet Paul in uh, Acts chapter 20 and so forth. Uh, but they also have had uh, not only the Apostle Paul, uh, but also the Apostle John, and then Apollos and Timothy at other times have been preaching and pastoring in Ephesus, uh, who were associated with the apostolic ministry. Uh, and so he is uh, telling Timothy uh, that one of the ways that the Lord uh, will bring this re revival of the faith that they had at first and reformation uh, of the teaching and of, uh, and of the living in Ephesus is by the right men. Uh, he said he left Timothy. He told, urged Timothy to remain in Ephesus. And he's telling him again, stick with it, stay there. Uh, we're going to find out that Timothy's been trying and uh, doesn't feel to him like the ministry has gotten the traction that he hopes. Uh, and perhaps he would think, well, I could have a more fruitful ministry somewhere else. This is a temptation for me sometimes. When in my great ingratitude to God, uh, I... Uh, allow myself to indulge thoughts about how difficult it is in this aspect of the ministry or with this person in the congregation. And I think, well, I could probably have a fruitful ministry somewhere else. 
But he urges Timothy to remain in Ephesus because one of God's solutions is the right men. Uh, and as he is going to get to in chapter, towards the end of chapter 2, but especially in chapter 3, uh, the Lord has called particular men to the ministry of shepherd-teacher, which uh, Paul had written to this church in Ephesians chapter 4 for the building up of the entire congregation. Uh, and so these are gifts from Jesus, the right men. Not everyone in the church who has ideas should get to say them. Uh, that's uh, an insanity that grows up in the egalitarian tendencies of our flesh, uh, wanting to think our ideas and our grace and our understanding is as equally um, good as anybody else's, not recognizing that the Lord's way is to give special grace and gifts to particular men, not for their own sake and not to exalt them, but for, for the sake of the church and to build up the church. Uh, and that when we don't follow the Lord's order and the Lord's way, we're not raising ourselves down, we're destroying ourselves. Uh, because the Lord is the one who has invested the teaching of his church uh, in particular men, and so it requires humility from them, as we'll hear when we get to their character in chapter 3. Uh, but uh, And we'll see in chapter 3, it's not wrong to desire the office of overseer, but there are some who desire to be teachers who don't have a clue what they're talking about. Uh, and they should not get to talk in church. Uh, they should not teach their other doctrine that they have. They should be quiet, and they should listen, and they should have their own understanding corrected and increased uh, by the Lord, uh, who has called particular men uh, to that. So, uh, the right men teaching the right doctrine, that they teach no, no other doctrine. And then you hear where some of this wrong doctrine came from. Uh, one, it came from outside of the Bible, and two, it came from misusing the Bible. Um, fables here uh, is uh, a reference to anything man-made that has been taught over time. Uh, there's another word for traditions, but we could use the word traditions here. It's just ideas of men uh, that have been built up over time. Uh, certainly they would have been familiar with those uh, teachings or ideas or philosophies that came uh, from Greek and Roman thought Ephesus was one of the main uh, Roman cities, the main Roman city in what was called the province of Asia, modern-day Turkey. Uh, those of a Jewish background would have had all of the traditions of the rabbis that were added to the Bible. Uh, and uh, the church in 2,000 years has built up uh, a lot of false teaching and practice uh, that seems to have weight because of how long the, the history is of it being added to the Bible. Uh, but it doesn't have weight. Uh, or if it does, it's not the weightiness of something important and honorable. It's like weight like that which is <laughs> tied around you to sink you to the bottom of the ocean and kill you. Uh, that's the kind of weight to cut away, not to treat uh, as, uh, as weighty. So that's one place that false teaching comes from, is things from outside of the Bible. The other place that it comes from is, is taking that uh, which is either um, less understood or more easily abused, uh, or uh, or doesn't uh, mean at all what you are about to use it for. Uh, and one of the easiest places to do that is genealogies. Uh, in fact, there are a couple of books that were popular in the, uh, the so-called evangelical Christian world 10 to 20 years ago uh, that were from genealogies that taught good-sounding doctrine that could have been pulled from some places in Scripture, not necessarily those, uh, and then... Uh, added to it the ideas of the writer, uh, because what are you going to do with a genealogy? You've got to import a bunch of your own ideas, uh, and the text gets 
twisted. Mm. And so there's the use of that which is outside of the Bible, and then the twisting of that which is inside the Bible. Uh, both of those were uh, places that false doctrine came from. Paul was urging Timothy to remind men that you need to teach from the passages that clearly teach, and Scripture interprets Scripture. Don't set your doctrine on genealogies. Set your doctrine on the plainest things and understand the more difficult passages uh, in light of the clearer and more easy uh, to understand. There's a conversation recently on baptism in which uh, the testimony of the Spirit and the water uh, to Jesus' divine sonship at his baptism and the testimony of his blood and the water coming out of his side at the cross and the blood on him at the cross, to which even the Roman centurion, when he saw the way that he died, said, truly, this was the Son of God. And so those testimonies to Jesus' sonship, divine sonship, in 1 John 5, which is a wonderful passage, Jesus is the Son of God for sure, uh, tried to make some point uh, about our baptisms and the mode of it, uh, which had... Uh, if there is, then well, the Spirit came down on Jesus at his baptism. And, uh, you're, not, uh, you're not exactly, uh, you know, the blood, Jesus didn't get dipped in blood on the cross. Uh, and the blood came out of him. Anyway, it just didn't, if you want to talk about something like the mode of baptism, go to places where the Bible teaches the mode of baptism. So people were building all kinds of weird teaching out of genealogies. Uh, because when they did so, uh, a couple of things happened. Uh, number one, the plain meaning of the text isn't as obvious, uh, more difficult to argue with you. And when you do that, other people uh, tend to think, ooh, he must be really smart to get all that out of a genealogy. Uh, but if, the, if what you come away with is how smart the teacher is, not how wonderful the text is, something has probably gone wrong. So he's urging Timothy to remain in order to put the right men in places of teaching and that they would teach the right things for the right reasons, resulting in uh, right living. So verse 5, now the purpose of the commandment, and that's both uh, God's commandment uh, that Christ would be an apostle, sorry, that Paul would be an apostle of Christ and would establish these churches and pastor them and that he would write this letter. You have that in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, the commandment of God. But it's also referring to Paul's own commanding Timothy and the Lord to stay in Ephesus. As I urged you, remain in Ephesus. It's a command. Uh, And so that command and this command, and indeed all God's commandments, have this purpose. Love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith. Uh, And so the Lord uses this right teaching that... uh, Timothy is being commanded to remain in Ephesus and ordain uh, the men whom God has called to teach the the scriptures that God has given uh, and teach rightly from the scriptures. He uses right teaching, first of all, to give love from a pure heart, a heart that is sincere, single-minded, good, devoted to God. Uh, And the Lord uh, promises to use his own word to write it upon our hearts. It is his own word that has the power to do this. And uh, we know that from other passages, uh, like Hebrews uh, 8, verse 10, Hebrews 10, verse 16, Psalm 19, verses 7 through 8, the whole of Psalm 119, 
uh, the new covenant promises in Jeremiah and, and so forth. Uh, idle talk of men from which some had strayed, have, having strayed, having ter- turned aside to idle talk. The idle talk of men can't give you a pure heart. Only the words of God to which are attached the promise of the Spirit working and the power of God can actually give life and goodness and purity to your heart. And so the the point of teaching is to depend upon the power of God who uses the teaching to give you that pure heart. And so that's something uh, when you're, you're thinking about uh, what kind of books to read, or one day you may be in a in a position where uh, you or with uh, with a husband are thinking uh, about uh, you know what church to go to, or if you need to come to the session and talk about uh, the teaching and preaching that you've had recently in the church that you are in, or whatever. Um, and you need to remember that the importance isn't just to get the doctrine right, but that God uses the right teaching to exercise His own power upon our hearts to give us those pure hearts from which love for him comes and and so it's very important and then when you do have uh, good teaching as i pray you have uh, in this home and in this church one of the things to ask god is lord use the teaching to give me that sort of pure heart that you talk about in first timothy chapter one so that love for you will come out of it and love for the brethren and love for for my neighbor so the lord uses right teaching to make the heart pure. Uh, The Lord uses right teaching to make our conscience good. Love from a pure heart and from a good conscience. A bad conscience approves bad things. And there are men who love evil and their conscience becomes bad. Uh, They actually call good evil and evil good. And so their conscience starts to work against their souls. Uh, And so we need the Bible taught rightly to correct those ideas for us so that our conscience will be good because we still have that remaining sin and we need God's gift of a conscience to be a blessing to us to say that's not loving God his word says this that's not loving your brother his word says you love your brother this way that's not loving your neighbor his word says loving your neighbor this way Uh, and so the need for God called men Christ called men teaching God's own doctrine Christ's own doctrine from the scriptures uh, is not just so that you'll have a pure heart, but a good conscience. Because a good conscience that calls good good and calls evil evil is part of what God uses to stir up love in your own heart. Uh, and then the third place in verse uh, 5, love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, from sincere faith. The Lord uses right teaching to give us unpretended faith. Faith that understands what God says and holds to it because it's God who says it. Faith that is in my uh, self is a false faith. Faith that is not convinced from the word of God is a pretended faith. You might agree with all the right doctrine, but if you're not agreeing because it's God's doctrine, because it's God's word, then it's a pretended faith. True faith is a gift that the Holy Spirit gives us when he convinces us of the truth of something because God is the one who says it. And so you see why they had lost their first love, uh, for first and foremost for God, and then for the brethren, and then for their neighbor. Uh, and that's because God uses teaching his word correctly by the men whom he has called to give us that love.
And isn't that what he had first done in Ephesus, those three years and those five hours a day in the hall of Tyrannus? The love didn't come out of thin air or, or from trying to feel mushy about Jesus. The affection for the Lord came from knowing him through his truth as he attended the teaching of his own word by the power of his spirit to give a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere, unpretended faith. That's what the apostle wanted Timothy to remain in Ephesus, to call and train and encourage the right men to teach the right way to do. And that's what our Lord wants for us. Isn't a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith out of which love flows through, uh, out of which love flows from you unto him, isn't that what he wants for you? And so as we read about uh, Timothy's task uh, in Ephesus, in this letter and in the next one, and, or Second Timothy, and then uh, Titus's task in Crete, uh, we'll be hearing about the Lord Jesus' plan for us too. Uh, and we'll be thinking about how to respond to what the Lord has given us uh, so that he may produce these things in us. Let's pray. Oh, Father, us too, we come, give us this same blessing. I pray that especially you'd help me in this home and all of the fathers and husbands in their own homes and myself and the other elders in the church, that we would heed the urgings given to Timothy. And Lord, help us all to respond to the teaching that you give us uh, attend it by the power of your Spirit. Give us that pure heart, we pray. Make our consciences good so that they approve of what is good and hate what is evil. Uh, and give us sincere faith, unpretended, that miraculous gift of your Spirit who convinces us that your word is yours uh, so that uh, we love you from a conviction that you yourself have given in your power and your mercy, your grace. Grant this, I pray, for each of my children, that they would not learn to ape Christianity just by having been up close to it, but that you would produce it from their hearts, and then in their children, as they minister to them, and down through the generations, glorify yourself mm -hmm. by doing us miraculous, wonderful, redeeming good. For we ask it in your name, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen.